Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, good morning to you. This is Mike Smith with your continuing coverage and analysis. Now, the COVID-19 pandemic in B.C. and around the world. We've got a great show coming up for you today. It's another big day in the fight against this virus. As you heard Dr. Bonnie Henry say yesterday, the next two weeks are critical in this fight as we enter another incubation period for this virus. And as the province's healthcare system braces for a potential increase in infections, and hospitalizations. The daily news conference by Dr. Henry scheduled for 3 p.m. today. That's this afternoon. Of course, CKNW will bring you that live this afternoon at 3 p.m. Pay very close attention today to the number of new cases and the hospitalization rate. That is coming up this afternoon. Meanwhile, tonight at 6.15 p.m., it is a province-wide televised address by Premier John Horgan and You can bet that he will be doubling down on the province's call for social distancing here to stop the spread of this virus. Don't be a wanker, in the words of the premier. That's what he called the people who are not following the social distancing guidelines. I had him on the show yesterday, and I've been interviewing premiers for 27 years i think that was the first time i ever heard a sitting premier use the word wanker as he was calling out people throwing house parties during the virus and putting the rest of us at risk we have a preview of his tv address on the show today also coming up today this is going to be great we got so many small businesses out there who are just hanging on by a thread as they try to survive the economic devastation of this virus. Today we're going to focus on all the restaurants out there who have transitioned to takeout service and home delivery as they try to hang on and survive this pandemic. we got a whole bunch of great restaurant people lined up on the show today. They're going to come on and tell their stories, and you can find out how to support them too. All of that is coming up on the show today. But first... Let's start with the new school year. Spring break is over. Students, parents, and teachers preparing to adapt to a new school system that is going virtual. It is going online. Let's get an update on that now from Rob Fleming. He is BC's Minister of Education. Minister, thanks a lot for coming on. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thank you for doing it. Uh, let's talk about the start of the school year. There's different times for spring breaks in different school districts, but for a lot of kids, yesterday was the day to go back to school, including my own two kids in the public system. How is it yep. going so far with the transition to online learning? We're, we're hearing some good reports. It's really a, <clears throat> a week to ramp up capacity and <clears throat> get teachers thinking about how they're going to deliver uh, in a new online way and uh, get connected with their students. So, um, I'm hearing a lot of reports that uh, a lot of information flowing to, to parents and kids from principals and, and teachers checking in, but also some concrete work in terms of setting up new program delivery already happening. I was 
really thrilled to to see. We we talked on Saturday about how we're going to help vulnerable kids. You know, there's we don't, it's not nice to talk about, but there's 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 a lot of kids living in poverty and they don't get enough food to eat at home, and and they they come to rely on the school system as as, as part of their life, an important part of their life that way. And just thrilled to hear that Vancouver has already got thousands of kids identified as part of their new modified uh, meal program that they're going to be able to offer in school how's, sites around How's that Vancouver. going to work? I think they're doing a pickup model. So it'll be physically oh. distanced. It'll be uh, prepared food that kids can, um, and most of them are neighborhood schools that kids walk to under normal circumstances. So it'll be, it'll be that. But I, I should say, for the most accurate information, families should connect with the principal in their school and, and, and ask exactly how it will work. Okay, you were mentioning that you're hearing some good reports about this uh, online learning getting up and running. I don't know. I mean, I've heard some other people voicing some frustration that it may be been a little slow. But let me let me play this for you. This is hmm. Andrew Wilkinson, the Liberal leader, on the show with me here yesterday talking about that. What's happening with our K-12 school system? And that's uh, obviously a legitimate question. In Ontario and Alberta, they're back to school on an online virtual way. They did that on the 23rd of March. And so I think all of us are waiting and wondering what the provincial government's going to do with K-12 education because a letter came around to parents on the 27th that was kind of vague about where things are going. You know, they've got all the materials working in Ontario. It's working in Alberta. Let's get it working in British Columbia. Okay, are we behind other provinces here, as he suggests there? No, I think perhaps uh, the opposition minister, uh, opposition leader should be a little better briefed, and I'll be happy to do that. But no, we have launched a, a site called Keep Learning BC. We talked about that in your show earlier when it was only 24 hours old. It now has hundreds of thousands of unique visits, which is great. That's, that's directed for parents that are working with their kids in a home learning environment. Uh, as well as lots of uh, home learning uh, resources that are available. So in terms of the comprehensiveness of what BC has has made available to BC families, I don't think any other jurisdiction uh, can uh, can touch that at this point in time. But having said that, there's not a competition. We're all working with each other across the province. The mm-hmm. Council of Ministers of Education in Canada are all facing the same pandemic conditions. We're all trying to uh, learn from one another, and I think, I think BC, uh, our spring break is on a different rotation than, than other jurisdictions. I think in many cases we're very fortunate that it fell that way on the calendar this year because uh, that, that was critical uh, physical distancing time uh, when staff and students were away from the school system and uh, the provincial uh, health officer guided us through the uh, earliest phases of, of what I think you have to call a lockdown in the province of British Columbia for all but the most essential parts of the economy. So um, no, the uh, look, we, we still don't know uh, exactly what every student and family is going to uh, going to have in the way of uh, uh, online learning opportunities. It's going to look differently in different communities. Yeah. Uh, yesterday in Gold Trail, rural community, um, the way it was delivered was uh, really very old-fashioned. Education assistants getting in their cars, delivering education resource packages to kids um, in their homes in a, in a, in a rural uh, in rural communities, so it, it will look different in different parts of BC, as you would understand. And uh, I have to say that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people working on figuring out uh, what this is going to look like. There's going to be lots of best practices that are shared, and uh, we're giving the system a week or two to 
to really uh, hit the ground running and uh, be able to uh, start engaging kids in a meaningful way. Okay, okay, but should parents expect that Mm. there will be a very detailed and comprehensive kind of learning package that their kids will be able to access online to to do at home and to be marked on? Um, or is it going to be more like you guys are going to put resources online and you got to figure it out for yourself? Like, I'm just wondering how much how much di- actual direction is coming from the ministry. No, yeah, no, exactly. And that's the way the system works is we have 60 unique school districts with a high degree of autonomy and, and professional autonomy in the classroom for the teacher, which r- rightly so. So it's going to look different because teachers going to decide to deliver it in a different way. And, you know, one of the things that I assured people on uh, way back on March 15th, seems like a long time ago now, it's not really, but uh, when we announced it in class instruction was suspended, was to give the assurance that, you know, if a kid is in grade four, they'll be in grade five next year. Um, but we want to have meaningful assessments and activities happening that, that promote learning for the rest of the school year. But we're also wanting to have order and continuity um, in, a, in a highly irregular school year. And, uh, and those are the things that our government announced to the people of British Columbia last week. My guest, Rob Fleming, BC's Minister of Education, as we talk about this uh, unusual new school year, back up and running here, virtual online learning now. How are your kids doing? Phone me and tell me. 604-280-9898 is the number. 604-280-9898. Star 9898. Toll free on your cell. Minister, we've talked earlier about uh, special needs kids. How are they going to be taken care of here? Yeah, that's some... The the short answer is it depends on what the needs of your kids are. If they're uh, working with MCFD or uh, a community uh, service agency, it's going to be worked out between uh, those service providers and the school. And parents uh, should be in touch with with all of the people that they that their child is is used to working with. Um, if it's a a moderate learning disability where a, a child has an individual education plan that's worked out with with their school uh, learning team, uh, those IEPs still exist and those need to be accounted for as we move to the, uh, the new online uh, learning techniques. So they, again, should be in, in touch with their teacher and, and talk that through, see what that looks like now that uh, in-classroom learning is, is simply not possible as we combat the, the pandemic. Okay, we also talked about efforts to take care of kids whose parents are frontline healthcare workers and there might be an opportunity for them to mm-hmm. drop their kids off at school. Where are we at with that, and how are you going to achieve social distancing if we if we go with something like that? Yeah, so there's some districts that have uh, made accommodations already because they had a, a shorter spring break cycle. They went back uh, last week, uh, so we're seeing we're seeing we're seeing numbers not not huge numbers, but um, the way it works for, for your listeners. If if you're an essential worker on the front lines of battling a COVID nineteen in the healthcare system or first responder. Uh, get in touch with your principal uh, and or your teacher and let them know your situation uh, and uh, and make those arrangements. The, the school system is, is ready uh, to provide uh, physically distanced, limited uh, school-based uh, services for for those kids whose uh, parents are essential uh, to keep the health care system uh, running and, and saving lives in British Columbia. Minister, I know you got to run to another engagement. I appreciate you taking the time this morning. Thanks for coming on. 
Thanks so much for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. That is Education Minister Rob Fleming talking about uh, the new school year getting up and running online now. What do you think about what he said? Or if you want to c- tell me about how's, how it going, how's it going with your kids uh, with the school shut down, call me right now, 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898, toll free on your cell. Let's go to Daniel on the open line. Hey, Daniel. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Go ahead. So, yeah, I got um, five kids in the school district in, 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 in Nanaimo, uh, ranging from, like, grade 1 to grade 11. I, I actually was curious. I don't know if you would know this, and I know we don't have the minister on the line anymore, but yeah. a lot of that programming is offered online, and a lot of families um, don't have the, the means to connect, like, with the Google Chrome Classroom. And so, fortunately, my wife and I are still able to work. I work in the food supply chain. She works in healthcare, and we're able to work. And we have a, a couple of computers at home for the kids to work on that. But I'm just wondering how they were be able to um, support that, support learning for families that are unable to access those um, the Google Classroom online. Thank you for the call. I did speak to the minister about that earlier, and. One of the things that government and the ministry are certainly sensitive to are the social disparities uh, around the province. Certainly, there are there are areas of the province that are more remote. There are there are areas where there's less connectivity with uh, online learning abilities to have your kid learn from a computer at home. Uh, there are disparities among different families within school districts. If you're a poor kid and maybe you don't have access to a computer or Wi-Fi, then how is that going to work? And the answer is that it will be uh, handled on a district-by-district basis. So a lot of this is going to be happen not centrally through the education ministry telling every school district around the province how this thing is going to operate and how it's going to get done, but it will be individual school districts themselves and school administrators and principals and teachers individually will be making uh, decisions and arrangements for each family uh, to recognize their individual specific needs. So what I would say to any parent out there who's got kids in the school system is, first of all, I think be patient. There has been some criticism, of course, with the pace of how this is getting up and running. I mean, I spoke to Terry Mooring yesterday. She's the president of the teachers union. And she said, wait until mid-April. So she's saying like, hang on for two more weeks uh, before this thing is really up and operating. Now, some people are saying, well, why couldn't we have got this up and running a little quicker? Other provinces seem to be ahead of us on this, notably Alberta and Ontario. But in these unique times, and the challenges that we got, I think people are just realistically going to have to be, I guess, patient about it. And certainly talk to your kid's teacher, talk to your kid's principal, talk to your trustee or your school administrator in your individual school district as they try to get something up and running that's going to work for your individual kid. One of the things that I'm watching for very closely, though, is how it's going to work on the ground physically in the schools and if the government can deliver on some of these promises that they've made around special needs kids, kids whose parents are frontline healthcare workers who are going to work every day and trying to save lives and keep people safe. And the government has said maybe those kids would be allowed to come to school and there'd be some care for them there. How are they going to achieve that in a time of social distancing? 
that is something to watch very closely. Also, poor kids who rely on school meal programs. You heard Rob Fleming there describe what's going on in Vancouver. This is going to be a huge challenge, I think, for a lot of school districts to try and respond to those type of specific needs. But phone me on the buzz line if you got anything else to say about it and leave me a voicemail there. 604-331-BUZZ is the number because we continue our coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic and our segment, we like to call it Baldry's Beat. <laughs> Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Keith, thanks a lot for coming in again. Hey, hey Smitty, good to be here. Okay, it's another big day in the fight against this virus. Tonight, we've got a televised province-wide address by Premier John Horgan, 6.15 p.m., right? 6.15 p.m., yeah. we're going to be airing it on Global, which means you'll hear it here on NW. Uh, it's 10 minutes long. I'll tell you what uh, the notes I've got from uh, from some of the key senior staff people in the in the government is that the purpose of the address is to underscore that now and these next two weeks is the focal point for BC in the pandemic. Yeah. The clear and present danger is assuming that the danger has passed, easing uh, easing our vigilance, risk erasing all potential progress and risk the health and well-being of our neighbors, friends, and family members. And he's also going to underscore and repeat some of the measures the government has announced about uh, dealing dealing with this crisis in terms of financial help. Uh, you know, we've heard Carol James talk about help for renters and that type of thing. So I think he's going to put a little more meat on the bone on that tonight. But I think it's more a, sort of a rally the troops morale booster type thing from the, you know, the leader of the province. And John Horgan is a pretty good communicator. And I think he's, uh, that's one of the chief aims tonight. In a pandemic, an emergency crisis situation, messaging is so important. And that's why you see Bonnie Henry and Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix every day repeat the same message. And I think you're going to see John Horgan repeat I, it tonight. I think it'd be kind of like a, a stern talking to from your dad kind of thing <laughs> and sort of doubling down on the social distancing. Like yeah. I, when I had him on yesterday, uh, we talked about the social distancing. And we've seen some reports about, like, for example, the cops in Victoria or the last couple of days were called out to break up house parties mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, you know, I asked him about, is he satisfied with the social distancing that he's seeing? He said largely he is, except for the few wankers <laughs> out there, as he put it, that, that are not following the guidelines. And, and he's encouraging people to call, basically call people out. Yeah. Uh, if they're not following the rules. So I suspect that we might see, you know, something like that, like a doubling down and just encouraging everybody to keep following these rules, especially now, because like you said, like the next two week period is, is crucial. Why is it so crucial right now, the next two weeks? The incubation period for the yeah. virus is two weeks, is right. 14 days. And so we're, we're at that point now. We're into like a second kind of incubation se- second period. Second incubation period. That's yeah. the point Dr. Barney Henry made yeah. yesterday. This is why she calls this, we're into, we're into it now. This is our watershed moment. Uh, the, the next two weeks is critical. Uh, it doesn't mean that virus is going to end after two weeks. It just means this will be evidence whether or not the measures we've taken up until now, the social distancing, the washing of our hands is going to have an impact in bending down the curve of the number of cases that we're, yeah. we're picking up with uh, with about 3,000 tests a, a day. So uh, today's numbers at 3 o'clock are going to be critical in, in showing whether or not... What are you watching for this afternoon? I'm going to be looking at, well, the total cases, obviously, but the hospitalization rate and the ICU rate. Uh, ICU is really the indicator of how serious this is. It went from 52 to 60 yesterday in a 48-hour period, so it's not, that's not huge. Uh, so keep an eye. We had 60 ICU cases as of yesterday. See what that number is at three o'clock today. If it's if it's more than 70, more than 80, then it shows you we, we're we're into a real problem. Do you get the the feeling that 
you know, the last couple of days, we, we've heard these kind of reassuring messages from Bonnie Henry, the provincial health officer, saying like, well, you know, things are looking like mm-hmm. the social distancing is working, but we still got to be vigilant, et cetera. But do you get the feeling that they're a little bit nervous behind the scenes that this potentially does take off? Well, that's indicative of the fact that Adrian Dix, the health minister, is vacated more than 4,000 hospital beds shows you the level of concern. I mean, 4,000 hospital beds, that's almost the equivalent of 10 St. Paul's hospitals. That's a huge amount of beds. Uh, and the, they've all been vacated, uh, and that again, that's a worst-case scenario or even a medium-case scenario of uh, what they expect to come. So if we're not seeing the numbers really go up by large margins in the next 10 days or so, that shows that we've uh, we've sort of flattening the curve, so to speak. Uh, if they do start going up, doubling and, and such on a daily basis, that shows you just how much trouble we're in. But I, I think right now Dr. Bonnie Henry is expressing – uh, a little bit of uh, optimism. She notes uh, the, the modeling briefing we had on Friday shows that at the start of this uh, outbreak, we were increasing the daily cases by 24% a day. We're now down to 12%, I think even a little bit lower than that. And that's a, that's a good sign. Now, if we were still at the 24%, instead of having 970 cases right now, we'd have about 1,800. And that just shows you the difference between what was at the beginning, and what what is occurring now. But again, it's numbers going forward that are going to be key. Okay, so for the the televised address tonight by Horgan at 6.15, like I agree with you, I think that's going to be kind of a doubling down in the message, but do you anticipate that, is there a possibility he might announce something new tonight and maybe like a tougher crackdown and like shutdown of non-essential services? Like I took my kid yesterday, he wanted to go to Canadian Tire and get something. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, let's go to Canadian Tire. And the Canadian Tire was pretty dead you know there weren't a lot of there was social distancing going on and stuff but one of the things that occurred to me in there was like why is canadian tire open anyway you know like do, do you think that you know horgan might say we're going to shut everything down is no. that possible no i don't think so in fact i had a conversation with john horgan about a week ago in his office after we did an interview for a, a virtual town hall meeting we had with bonnie henry and and adrian dix and he told me at the time how he made his decision was that he had total faith in his frontline ministers and he thought thought he was incredibly well off because of people like adrian dix mike farnworth and carol james and he says i'm leaving it to these guys i mean they're they're the they're the horses in this race and he has total faith in them so i don't i'd be very surprised if john horgan were to sort of usurp their authority their own i mean they have enormous uh leeway here mike farnworth has enormous powers under the emergency program act uh, to announce whatever he wants to announce in terms of a crackdown. So I think Horgan right. would leave it. And also Bonnie Henry is the lead the lead uh, person here in terms of public orders. So I'd be surprised if Horgan did that. Let me, let me ask you about um, what I thought was an interesting moment yesterday in the news conference with uh, the health officer, Bonnie Henry, when she was asked about, there has been some criticism mm-hmm. uh, of what the province has done here. And she was asked about it, and I think kind of got a little pointed sort of response like just she's mm-hmm. a little i think she's a little sensitive to some of the criticism but let me let me play this for you keith because i'm in- interested to get your take on it so this is a guy a, a frontline doctor dr sean uh wormsbacker i hope i'm pronouncing his name right this is the guy who did the the viral video he's a yep. he's a frontline doctor at royal columbian hospital criticizing that saying that we're not doing enough testing okay so here, here's what he said in the video Based on our current resources, we are very much under-testing the population. 
Um, you know, I see a lot of discussions online with regards to the, the, the total number of positive cases as being somehow a benchmark for how we're doing or how we're not doing, and, and people are modifying their behavior uh, accordingly. Okay, he also went on to say that he felt a little frustrated that sometimes people would show up at the hospital and he'd basically not be allowed to test them. Often what's heard, no matter how we say it, is that if we're not testing you, we're not really taking you seriously. And that's not the case. Um, but it means that we're, we're going to be really, you know, lowballing the actual numbers. And I saw several cases today that uh, I have no doubt are positive cases. Okay, you know, he's, saying, he's complaining that he's seeing cases that he believes are positive cases, but he's not testing them. And he's basically telling them to go home and self-isolate. And I guess his point is, if he tested them and he could show them a positive test result, that people would self-isolate more, you know, attentively. Or, yeah, uh, interesting argument. Dr. Bonnie Henry, I've been in every briefing with her since day one, and the, the issue of testing has come up numerous times of what her strategy is. And uh, it's true that, uh, and she's never made, it, um, she's always said, look, the number of reported cases and positive cases is not reflective of the true number. She's acknowledged that the number is yeah. much greater than that. But what her point is, at the beginning, the testing regimen was to test people who had traveled because that was the, the number one bringer in of the virus, people from international flights from China, uh, from Iran, for example. That was what the, the testing results were at the beginning. Now it's testing healthcare workers because they're in right. close proximity with uh, carriers of the virus and the people around them and, and the people who show very severe symptoms. There's only so much testing capability. Keep in mind, this well, is that's the, the thing. It's not like you can test 5 million British Columbians. Well, it'd be great to test everybody, but you can't. You can't. You can't do it. You, uh, you, you, need, you need lab work. You need, they've contracted life labs now who are now uh, shutting down other testing of people who need uh, tests for completely different reasons than COVID-19. I mean, it's not like COVID-19 is the only disease or healthcare issue in the okay. province. Let's have a, li have a listen to Bonnie Henry here. Here's, her, here's the exchange yesterday from her news conference where she's asked about this doctor's criticism, and here's how she responds to it. Take a listen. I actually don't agree with that. Um, and having been uh, on the front lines with my colleagues in public health who are actually talking to these people who are at home and who are self-isolating at home, um, most people are absolutely doing what we need them to do. And our testing strategy, as I have explained a few times, has changed so that we are focused the large number of tests we're still doing, over 3,000 tests a day, we're focusing on those most likely to have this disease and those most likely to need um, health care or hospital care. So that is a, a, an important strategy. It's not that we're decreasing the number of tests we're doing. It's that we're focusing the testing on the people who are most likely to need the health care um, services. And we are still maintaining the, the contact tracing. We're talking with people who have this, who have mild enough illness that they're able to stay at home. And uh, for the most part, that is, that is working. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, she has a strategy, and I can't emphasize that more. It is a strategy. Yeah. It is not a random uh, basis of testing. She has a very direct strategy of testing the people she thinks are most needed. So, to, so to people not should people not criticize her then, or are people not well, question I think, her? I, think, I mean, this this guy's a doctor. He's yeah. a doctor in a hospital who's dealing with sick people. I don't think, and, he, and I think he's got like he, he's. I think we should listen to some of these these critics too. Well, I think it, there's, there's not, no reason to have a debate and a, and a conversation, but. The only thing I would point out is that 
public health uh, medicine is a, is a specialty. And it's, yeah. it's suddenly as if some parts of the medical profession, it would be almost criticizing other parts of the medical profession. It's like a, a doctor criticizing a heart surgeon uh, for how he, he or she conducts heart surgery. So I, I would say in the, in the balance of, of things, Dr. Bonnie Henry and her uh, associates, keep in mind, it's not just Bonnie Henry. These are public health experts yeah. who have experience in fighting Ebola, in fighting SARS, in fighting polio around the world. And there's a there's a, a technique and a direction that they take from a public health perspective, not from an right. emergency room perspective. As we continue speaking to Keith Baldry, I, you know, we were just talking off air about the, the testing debate, I guess, that's going on. And I guess what this doctor was pointing out is that he gets somebody who comes into the hospital who he thinks has got it, but they're not sick enough for him to test them. Mm -hmm. So he basically sends them home and says, stay at home. And he's arguing that if I was able to test them and show, show them a positive test, they'd be more likely to quarantine and not take a risk by going out to the store or something. I guess this is his point. And she is saying, no, 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 we're, we're tracking this very carefully, and people who we believe are sick are, are self-isolating effectively, right? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. And right, right now, there's 970 reported case, cases testing positive yeah. in B.C., that doesn't mean there's 970 cases in BC. There are, th there are more. likely thousands more. And Dr. Bonnie Henry made this point last Friday at her briefing on the models. Uh, there's, you know, several thousand people who likely have the virus. But her point is just because you have symptoms is not a reason to be tested. They're testing the people most likely to have the virus, particularly with an emphasis on frontline healthcare workers who are vitally needed in this pandemic. They need to be working and they need not to be infecting people. So that's where the, the emphasis and the people around them and the people who show severe symptoms who, you know, need ventilators, uh, in the, are ICU. the tests, are the test kits in short supply? Is that one of the reasons that? I'm not sure the kit. At one point, she didn't mention that the chemical agent needing in the testing is yeah. in uh, is a question of just how uh, plentiful that was. It was a question. This was again back to the earlier point. We don't have the resources or the capability to test 100% of the population. So if you walk back from that, you try to figure out okay, what, how do we conduct these tests? What is our strategy? And she's got a strategy because you can't have 100%. Is actually impossible. And she's made a, a, a strategic decision to test the people she thinks need to be tested. And emergency room doctors and other doctors, obviously, their first point of concern is to treat the patient that's right in front well, of them. Well, right. Like this doctor is saying, like, you know, somebody shows up sick, he wants to test yep. them. Yep. But they're not sick enough to be tested. So he's telling them, you know, he may be saying to them, like, I think you've got it. Go home. Well, go home. Well, I mean, you know, then that's what people are being told. If you if you have the symptoms, that's been said by Justin Trudeau, by Adrian Dix, by yeah. Dr. Bonnie Henry, every public health officer around Canada. If you're sick, Canada, you got to If you're sick, you self-isolate, yeah. you stay home. You don't need a doctor to tell you to stay home. And people who call for massive lockdowns, if, if it's not happening, behave like it's a massive lockdown yourself. Don't go out. Stay home. Don't go shopping. Okay. Don't go around people. Let's squeeze in a call here. Hi, Ken. Hi, Mike. Hi, go yeah, ahead. I, I, I'm fine with Dr. Bonnie Henry having a procedure and there's a policy of testing and stuff and where she's pointing to on this. But to uh, just push, push that doctor's recommendations and what he's talking about out of hand just like that um, and saying and not saying she would consider she that type of situation too and look at all options in this big critical time, I think that's kind of arrogant. And uh, also, I think she should, it's about time now she should drop this talking about this 
50 number, 49. I know she was making a point yesterday, but we're over that. Just talk about getting people down to those small, small numbers. Get hard on that. Drop that number. It's almost like what's, an what's the fifty? What's the 50 or 49 number? What are, what are you talking well, about? she was talking about the 50. Uh, she always brings up this uh, groupings of gatherings of 50. Oh, the she 50, did it the other oh, the, day. Keith. Yeah, yeah no, that's she a good that's, that's a good point, and I, in fact, I, my question, I have a question every time Dr. Yeah. Henry has a briefing, and that may be my question today. Why not drop the fifty number, which is the, the fifty number is the maximum gathering. Yeah. Like you That's know, public, why do you know why don't they order. have a, a, a lower public a lower number? number. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's the time she's been she's been advocating lower numbers. She's saying don't have dinner parties, don't have three or four people over for dinner, uh, don't mingle with people, and perhaps it's time to turn that public order that does lim- uh, set this, the limit on 50, maybe it's time to lower it. it. It's actually five in Ontario. Now, I don't know how you enforce some of this stuff. Uh, it's not like police are going to come to your home and say you're busted because you got four people over for dinner. But uh, perhaps it's time to revisit that 50 number. Okay. Um, thank you for coming in. Hey, we'll be on I, tomorrow. I appreciate it. You bet. That's Keith Baldry, Global News Bureau Chief. All right. Welcome back as we continue talking about the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's talk about small businesses here trying to hang on through the economic turbulence and devastation that's being caused by this uh, pandemic, especially the restaurant business. So many restaurants have shut down now. So many people have lost their jobs. But a lot of restaurants just fighting to hang on here, transitioning to takeout, home delivery, so hopefully they can keep their businesses afloat and be ready to go back into full service once we get through this thing together we're going to focus on that now and we've got some awesome restaurant people lined up to talk to you and tell you about their businesses and how they're fighting to survive and the services that they're offering and how you can help them as well but first let's check in now with ian tostenson the president of the bc uh restaurant association ian thanks a lot for coming on hi mike and uh nice congrats on your new show well, thank you very much. Um, it, it's starting under kind of a, a cloud here with this with this pandemic, and I, I really feel for the people who are struggling. Uh, the restaurant business to me has always been fascinating because people are so passionate that this is something they want to do with their lives, and it's a dream for a lot of people. But, man, it it's a difficult business at the best of times to survive, never mind something like this. Can, can you tell us what the state of the industry is in BC right now. Yeah. So there's 180,000 employees, roughly 13 or 14, well, say 14,000 restaurants. And we're probably uh, 160,000 people at least are unemployed today. And most of all the restaurants have been mandated to close in British Columbia with the exception of takeout and delivery, which, um, which is, which is great, but it's not going to pay the bills. And, but the one side there is, the one upside is the provincial government very quickly, we are able to, with their industry group, uh, get them to approve the, uh, sale of liquor when you order yeah. on any of the ordering, which is great. That helps a little bit, but it's an absolute, uh, it's an absolute crisis. Um, we've started, uh, we're part of a, um, a movement in British or in Canada for, uh, small restaurant, well, all restaurants, asking for immediate relief, immediate protection, and help to reopen. So, you know, what we need now is cash injection in the industry that's been asked to close. So they didn't close voluntarily. And we need to protect those business owners so they can get through the payment of rent and all the obligations they have. And then there's going to need cash to start up because 
a lot of them are owing monies right now to their food suppliers who are, you know, that's another big problem. And so we've got to flush all that through. Uh, We're working with the provincial government. We talked about deferral on a lot of things like PST and employer's health tax and stuff. And now I think the language is we can't defer this. We have to just sort of write it off and start fresh because a small business owner is going to walk into a, a ton of debt and we want to make sure that they're motivated to reopen, not to go, you know, this is not worth it because I owe it was so many people so much. So, okay. So like you got both levels of government have been rolling out billions of dollars in assistance here. And, and you're saying what they, they need to do more. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more immediate of the cash. For example, the 75% subsidy of wages that's, that's yeah. out there. The question is how do they access that? And will the government backstop the financing of that? It's a cash flow issue. So, and they get the cash to rehire because they don't have the cash to hire. So it's those little nuances uh, that are important. Same with the $40,000 that's available right now. How quickly can they go to the bank, get um, the $40,000 uh, back loan uh, from the banks guaranteed by the government to help pay their uh, rent? That's critical because yeah. rent's due tomorrow. And we don't know what the, what the financial testing of the banks is we think it should be quite easy but these are all stressing the system to see how quickly it can respond response time right now is important cash is important otherwise um, it's going to be really difficult to get this industry back to its on its feet again speaking to ian tostenson head of the bc restaurant association so would, would you say that the rent is the most immediate pressing pressure that most most restaurant owners are facing like they got their landlord looking for the rent tomorrow yeah, restaurants and pubs for sure. I mean, a uh, gentleman in in, uh, in in Lonsdale in North Vancouver, he's got $18,000 got to pay tomorrow for his restaurant. You say, like, you know, I haven't had any revenue. What we're seeing here is, you know, we've always, you know, I've talked about this, how the, the margins are slim. It's a cash business. It flourishes when it's busy. And when there's no cash, there's no ability to pay. So the cash flow is absolutely gone. So that. You know, the rent for, for restaurants, pubs, critical uh, for tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah, and, most, and most restaurant owners, I imagine, don't have a big pile of cash sitting on as a, as a backstop. I mean, this is kind of a cash-in, cash-out kind of business, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it, that's exactly what it is. It's cash-in, cash-out, and in financing, the ability to pay your staff and the obligations of government and all the different things that, that you know, that they were subjected to it, uh, in the past. How many places are trying to stay afloat here with uh, takeout and delivery? Well, someone described it as um, it's a circus. Everybody's trying to do that. Um, yeah. So I would say um, it's hard to say percentage-wise, Mike. It really is. I would say the majority of businesses that um, are trying to do two things is provide some platform to keep some staff. Now they have a subsidy, and now they have an ability to do takeout and delivery. So I think that most of them are, are, have got a very um, um, some sort of small operation around that. Some have gone the other way. Some are doing you can buy groceries uh, through their websites. Uh, yeah. Some are offering you know uh, value packages through takeout and delivery or for takeout for first responders and first you know frontline workers. So there's a real communal effort going on. Um, because I think what's going to happen is that you, we all stocked up on our food for two weeks, and now we're saying, okay, we're going to be in this for a while now, so let's start to enjoy some of that, that, that restaurant food delivered through, you know, Skip the Dishes or Uber Eats or a number of those companies that are doing uh, deliveries in B.C., which are, are just being flooded. Uh, we know that 
some restaurants are trying to get on to the uh, platform to skip the dishes, and it's been taking them a week because skip the dishes. They had so many requests to get menus up on their system. Ian, we got a whole bunch of great restaurant people here lined up to talk to. Thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you soon. Good luck okay, to the that, show. That's Ian Tostenson, he's the head of the BC Restaurant Association. Let's check in with one of those businesses that are trying to get through this now. Rebecca Styles. She's the owner of Zena's Gluten Free Bakery in Maple Ridge. Hi, Rebecca. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for coming on. How are you doing? We're doing okay here. Thank you. We're hanging in there. We're still baking. Uh, baking fresh every day. Well, not every day. We're, we're down to three days a week, uh, limited hours. So, um, But we're baking to order and doing the curbside pickup thing that um, I think most people are doing that are trying to sort of protect their environment and keep their staff safe. But, yeah, we're still going. How many people you got working there? Well, we had 12 until about a week and a half ago, and now we're basically, this is the family now. Wow. Okay, so what are the rules now? Like, you're, you're still surviving there, you're still baking, but people, they can't come into the store? Is that the deal? Yeah, that's correct. So it's yeah. been a bit of a clunky process. We, um, what we're doing now is we're, we, we, one of our very clever customers showed us that uh, TAP will work through the glass in our front door. So we're doing e-transfers and we're doing uh, payment by TAP with our merchant, like our payment uh, machine comes to the door. They TAP, then they back away. We open the door, we put the stuff on the table we close the door and then they walk up and grab their stuff. It's, okay. it's, it's a bit clunky, but you know what? It's actually working better now, obviously, than it was in the first couple of days that we started doing it. People are kind of getting the hang of it. And everyone seems really uh, patient and accommodating, I would say, so far. How much has your business gone down? Um, well, that's kind of a tricky question because our, our volume, or like in the first couple of, the last couple of weeks, um, we saw a huge drop. So we had some days that were literally 20% of what we're used to seeing. Um, we, it was like, you know, our worst day that we've ever had in the bakery divided by two. Um, so that was, that's, that's terrifying. Um, but we do have, we, we do make a lot of dry mixes and um, we've been really promoting that because they're awesome value for people. And then people have got time now to be doing that stuff at home to be baking on their own. Yeah. Um, and then in another effort to kind of fight hard, we're, we're packaging ingredients up that we haven't normally sold retail. Um, things like yeast and flour and our flour blend, we're selling a ton of that. So we're just really trying to promote that because that's a nice top-up. Um, when people aren't walking into the bakery, they're getting their couple of things that they've ordered and they're not grabbing, you know, cupcakes and brownies and, right. you know, they're not doing any of that add-on stuff. Um, and, of course, people are just out less and trying to conserve funds, right? We're a very specialty bakery. Um, and it's not cheap to do what we're doing here. And for some people, that just that has to go. And, you know, of course, we understand how that works. So we're just trying to do the things that make sense and that we hope um, present some good value for our customers. Rebecca, if people want to support your uh, Zena's Gluten-Free Bakery, where can, they, where can they come and buy some bread from you? So we're in Maple Ridge, um, right on Dudney Trunk, when you're passing through, um, right in downtown. Uh, and then we're accepting orders, you know, by the phone and via email and on our website where we what's sell your web, What's your website? Uh, Zenithglutenfree.com. Rebecca, good luck. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Mike. Take care. Okay, that's Rebecca Stiles. She's the owner of Zena's Gluten-Free Bakery, just one of many restaurants trying to get through this with takeout and delivery. Uh, we got lots more restaurants coming up. 
to tell their stories about how they're trying to survive this and how you can help them. That's all coming up next. So don't go anywhere. This is Mike Smith. Stick around. All right. Welcome back. Mike Smith as we continue talking about restaurants fighting to hang on and survive through the economic downturn of the COVID-19 pandemic. So many of these restaurants have had to shut down, lay people off. A lot of them just fighting to survive with takeout and delivery. Let's check in with uh, Stuart McLeod now. He's the owner of Ritz, Crate, uh, Ritz Catering. Also, the grill on. Uh, you tell me, Stuart, where your place is located. Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me on the show. Sure. Uh, we are on the Langley Bypass, uh, 192nd in the Langley Bypass in Sunrise Center. Okay, tell me about your business and how it's been impacted by this. Yeah, so we're basically, we're running at about 10% uh, right now. We, uh, we have a little coffee shop uh, restaurant that uh, people can come in and pick up right now. Uh, limited menu. Uh, all catering has stopped, obviously, as we know that. Uh, so there's no catering going out the back door. So we've, uh, yeah, we've had to uh, kind of refocus and uh we've been doing create uh kind of like create your own like meals on the go is what we've been created so people can pick up meals and things like that have you had to lay off any staff correct yeah we've let yeah. uh we have uh, six full-timers that uh, have have gone so it's kind of unfortunate but uh just you know not running at full capacity you uh not even half capacity you can't uh, can't keep them on payroll what is the biggest challenge here right now? I guess it's just the lack of cash flow, or do you have any sort of landlords uh, looking for their rent or anything? Uh, no, we're we're okay on on that sense. Ours is uh, is basically just maintaining, right? Not collecting yeah. a paycheck. Obviously, uh, we can't pull a paycheck out, so it's just maintaining. It's maintaining, uh, just paying the bills and just staying on top and not going too far deep, right? Uh, is basically the uh, the biggest challenge. And how long is this going to go for, right? That's uh, that's our main thing. But uh, just to try and uh, keep uh, you know some customers fed and uh, just trying to stay positive and focused. Trying to run a restaurant and a food service business is, is tough at the best of times. I know you guys survive on very narrow margins. It's a real cash flow dependent operation. And man, to go through something like this has just got to be devastating. Uh, I mean, what, what's it like as, an, as an, a small business guy, as an entrepreneur? You got to you got to tell people they don't have a job anymore. Yeah, and that's the, that, that's the hardest part is you yeah. you, you want to keep them on, but then you're going to go down yourself. So it's uh, it's one of those things that. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you have to make that decision. It's a tough decision. Sometimes you're friends and uh, really, really solid with these people. And you, you basically have to say, I'm sorry, you know, like, uh, hopefully times will get better in the next couple of months or a month even, you know, but uh, I feel it's going to be a couple of months, um, you know, that sort of thing. I feel this is a huge, huge teaching tool for us for down the road as well. Stuart, good luck to you, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Oh, by by Thank the way, you. where is your place? Look, you got a website or something? People yeah, want to support absolutely. you? Yeah, Go ahead. Uh, RitzCatering.ca uh, is uh, RitzCatering.ca for catering business or RitzLunch.ca. You can order food all the time. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks Stuart, for having me on the show. Take Stuart care. McLeod, Ritz Catering, R-I-T-Z, Ritz Catering. James Romer on the line. He's the owner of uh, Romer's Burger Bar. James, how are you? Ah, pretty good. Getting through it. Okay, tell me what's going on there at Romer's Burger Bar. Romer's Burger Bar. Well, we are doing um, takeout and pickup um, for all our fabulous burgers. Um, I, we just won Best Burger in Vancouver. Um, you know, we're we're offering um, a twenty percent discount currently right now, and we're also serving. Uh, well, we, we're since we can uh, sell a little bit of beer and wine with it, we're also offering that also. So, um, you know, we look to. Uh, continue to develop that business and you know uh people are uh, quite enjoying the burgers they travel really well so uh 
you know, it's a good, it's a good thing. Are you doing just takeout or are you doing delivery too? We do all the delivery actually okay. from Skip to Uber, Foodora, you know, all those uh, sites also. And um, again, our, our menu travels really well. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's great for the consumer and good for us trying to get by with what we have. Have you, have you had to lay people off there? We have, yes. Well, within our whole company, we have uh, two other locations, uh, and we have a restaurant on the island uh, and a Starbucks. We laid off about 200 people. It was oh. been devastating for us. Yeah, it's a, it's oh. a, it is a tough grind out there, and you know, um, you know, rent's coming up on the first, and there's high anxiety, and you know, it's a, it is a tough situation out there. Yeah, I mean, the the first is tomorrow. So you like your rent's due tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's Absolutely. you got? A, you got a nice oh. landlord. Well, we're you know we're talking in dialogue with all of them, and uh, you know we we we've had some nice conversations and stuff like that. But you know, again, you know, at the end of the day, uh, everybody needs support out there, and everybody's looking for it. And the sooner the better. Um, um, would certainly help out the the industry, and you know, and and make people's lives better. Um, I do where believe people... this is going to be gone, you know, in, an, in a month or two. So, you know, the uh, the long term version versus the short term version is always the best to look at, right? And, what, and we're your... in it for the long game. Jim, what's your website? If people want to find your locations, your restaurants. Uh, RomersBurgerBar dot com. Jim, good luck to you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot. All right, Jim Romer. He's the owner of Romer's Burger Bar fighting to hang on through this COVID-19 pandemic. Support these places. A lot of them are doing takeout. They're doing delivery. They're fighting to hang on. A lot of them have to lay off a lot of people. They're just fighting to survive so they can bring their people back when this thing is over. All right. Welcome back. As we continue talking about restaurants trying to survive through the COVID-19 pandemic, I'm just getting a ton of emails here on it. And I'll try and give people a shout out. Daniel Damour, who owns a pub in Rosslyn. Daniel, hang in there. Uh, getting lots of emails from people who are working and managing and own restaurants. They're just trying to get through this. Mike at CKNW.com. Send me an email if you're in that category. And I'll try to give you a shout out here as much as I can. Mike at CKNW.com. Let's continue to talk to some of the uh, restaurant people who are trying to survive here. Suzanne Fielden is on the line, owner of Rocky Mountain Flatbread. Hi, Suzanne. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good, Suzanne. Thanks for coming on. Where is your place located? Um, well, we have two locations in Vancouver. So we have one on Main Street, and then we have one in Kitsilano as well. Okay, what's been your what's your situation right now? Uh, so we're busy trying to survive. Yeah. We have had to lay off about fifty people um, temporarily, which has been heartbreaking. Um, and we lost about eighty percent of our business as um, we're only open for takeout and delivery. So we've had to get really creative and figure out ways in order to try and increase our sales as much as possible in order to cover rent and utilities and all of that. What are some um, of the things you're doing? So we have we've really kind of like asked ourselves the question, how can we support the Vancouver community during these hard times? So family is our audience. Um, so we've really put together some family deals um, so you can get a $60 
um, family meal for four people, which is about $20 off, which really helps. Um, we have put together pizza kits for families to make their own pizzas at home because families used to come to us like every week in order to make their own pizza on Sunday and, and Monday nights. So we tried to, to do that. Um, and also we really joined community partnerships um, in the city. So on Sunday, um, we joined Feed the Frontline Canada, um, and we fed 80 health um, health frontline workers wow. at VGH Hospital and at St. Paul's, which is amazing. Um, and also, we are launching on Thursday staff meals, um, which was started by the folk at St. Mercy, which is an amazing program. So basically... We create meals that are like between five to ten dollars, and um, you order them in the morning and you pick them up between four to eight. And it was designed in order to feed um, people in hospitality because so many people have lost their jobs. And then it quickly took off, and it was realized a lot of people um, need affordable meals at this time. So um, we're really excited about that. And you can actually buy a meal for your family or you can actually donate a meal. And whenever you make an order, $2 goes to the food bank too. So that's pretty awesome. So we're doing all of that, um, so which feels really great, but it's not going to be enough. So we're really hoping the government steps in yeah. and provides some rent relief, which is really what we need. Um, not rent deferral, but rent relief. Um, and we need cash in order to, to okay. kind of like help us recover from having to close the doors of our restaurants and not making okay. sales. Suzanne, yeah. if, if people want to support you there at Rocky Mountain Flatbread, you got a website there they can check out? They certainly can. It's rockymountainflatbread.ca. Good luck, Suzanne. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks so much. Okay. That's Suzanne Field and Rocky Mountain Flatbread. Let's check in now with Vikram Vidge. He's, uh, of course, a well-known chef and co-owner of Vidge's Restaurant, Rang- Rangoli, and My Shanty Restaurants. Vikram, thank you for coming on. Good morning, Mike. Um, I'm looking forward to having a chat with you. Likewise. Can you tell me what's going on at your places? Well, it's been uh, obviously very hardly hit towards, uh, especially all the immigrant women that work uh, and the men who work uh, at our restaurants. You know, we've never, uh, we've seen slow nights, we've seen not so busy nights, but we've never seen dead nights. You know, and that really hurts when you sit sometimes in a restaurant on a Saturday night and the lights are switched off. Um, emotionally, it's definitely taking a toll on uh, everybody, but I really want to give a shout out to all the healthcare workers and doctors and everybody who's uh, keeping us safe and, and providing us, uh, you know, with, with lots of love and attention. Yeah, I'll second that emotion for sure. Can you tell me how you've transitioned now to try and get through this? Uh, well, Vigis never used to do uh, delivery service. We always believed that our food, especially at Vigis, should be served uh, you know, right away. Uh, but when this pandemic hit us, uh, we decided to uh, come up with uh, a menu. And Miru worked really hard and really fast and came up with a comfort style of food like lentils and rice and chapati and, and chickpea curries. Simple foods that, that are not uh, very expensive, but also uh, nutritious and healthy for you and uh, something that 
people will enjoy and it's a different flavor you'll you'll still eat indian food but uh, you know not not that heaviness of it especially in these times when you've been you know sitting around all day or or you know just thinking about how you're going to get next steps and then one of the biggest things that has happened is some of the staff uh, that was working in the front of the house has actually started delivering the food. So, wow. you know, the other day I delivered, somebody else delivered the other day, our manager Mike delivers. So just to keep that, that you know, ball rolling and, and, and have something um, to, to uh, do, we do also do curbside delivery for pickup uh, pickups and, you know, obviously minimizing the contact and keeping the social distances. Uh, but the idea is that uh, this is home-cooked meal created by Miru, uh, affordable and completely accessible to you know most people who who want to uh, pick up and enjoy Indian food, especially Vijay's food. Speaking to Vikram Vij from Vij's restaurant, and you mentioned Vikram, like a lot of the the immigrant women who work in in your kitchens, which is one of the inspiring things about your your business or have you have you had to let some of them go or some of them been laid off or what's the situation there i would probably say uh, we've had to let uh, 70% of the you know workforce uh, let go of them and mm-hmm. it was really tough to sit with them uh, and and listen to them and see their faces because you know you come here for greener pastures you come here and you work hard and you worked for 25 years for the same restaurant some of the women and to have to say to them uh, i'm going to have to lay you off and you're going to get record of employment that says, I don't have enough work for you. It really was painful emotionally. And everybody's going through it. It's not just us. The whole industry is going through it. The whole, everybody who's part of this uh, pandemic is, is going through it. And I think we will get through it emotionally. We just re- need to remain focused and, and follow the guidelines. And uh, I think our government is, online i mean obviously you could do more but uh you know it is online and and doing the best it can okay you own a, a few different restaurants are you guys are you all doing the takeout and pickup yeah vijis is doing takeout uh, rangoli is doing takeout and then my shanti does uh, pick up delivery through doordash and uh through skip the dishes and uh, everybody's doing pickup and and delivery because you need to uh, have some cash coming in in order to survive, you know, there was so much food made, and and after three or four days, we also gave out uh, you know food for fifty percent off at my shanti, so that people could get to eat something and they could get to enjoy some food. Okay, speaking of Vikram Vij, are all are all three restaurants uh, available on DoorDash and Skip the Dishes? That is correct. Okay. Uh, all three of them are, and uh, also you know at my shanti, for example, we give fifteen percent off. If you order from there and you come and pick it up, because I want people to uh, realize that, uh, you know, that you, you can come up and be very careful. We leave the food outside. And, and even at um, even at Vigis, we're doing a very good job of you know, social distancing and, you know, people are able to come and pick up uh, Vigis food. Vikram, good luck to you. I hope there are happier days ahead when you'll, you'll be able to sit down and look those people in the eye and tell them they got their jobs back. Thank you very much. You know, especially we are an industry that we love people. We love, you know, uh, socializing. I've always loved it. And to, to be quarantined like that is just the opposite of uh, what what we as what we, our industry stands for, you know. Yeah. It's really hurting. I hope it's better days ahead. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Okay. Vikram Vidj, he's the chef and co-owner 
of the restaurants you heard him describe there, famous restaurants, Vidge's Restaurant, Rangoli, and My Shanty, all doing takeout delivery now through DoorDash and Skip the Dishes there. You, you, told, you heard him, the pain in his voice there as he talked about laying people off. Man, this thing is just brutal. And But these restaurants are just trying to hang on so we can get through this and they can hire people back. So I encourage you to support them if you can. And these are difficult times for everybody, but if you can support them, think about supporting them. Here's what we'll do. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and talk to more restaurants fighting to survive. This is Mike Smith. Stick around. All right. Welcome back as we continue talking about businesses hanging on by a thread here, trying to get through the storm of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm talking about restaurants on the show today. If you work for a restaurant, maybe you own or manage a restaurant that's trying to hang on, uh, maybe doing curbside pickup or home delivery, uh, call me on the buzz line. Leave me a, leave me a short voicemail there. I'll try and get it on for you. 604-331-BUZZ is the number. 604-331-2899 or you shoot me an email mike at cknw.com try to give you a shout out i'm getting lots of emails mike at cknw.com the village restaurant in victoria doing takeout local public eatery they got uh two vancouver locations kitsilano and gastown they have transitioned to curbside pickup and delivery uh, the Lapulo, Lapulo Brewing Company in Vancouver, they have closed down their tasting room, but they've got uh, delivery of craft beer and other uh, other beverages. They've gotten together with a whole bunch of small breweries here to do uh, home delivery. The Lapulo Brewing, Brewing Company. Mike at cknw.com is where you can send me an email. Jeff Boyd is on the line. He's the vice president of the Joey Restaurant Group. Jeff, thanks all for coming on. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. What restaurants do you guys run there? So we have uh, um, five Joey locations um, open right now in BC, so Kelowna, Coquitlam, one in Burnaby, one in North Vancouver, uh, one on Burrard Street, and then our Bento locations currently uh, all together closed. Okay. Are, are all the Joey restaurants doing um, delivery or takeout, or are they just totally yeah, shut down? Are. Okay. Yeah, sorry, we are. I heard you mention our, our two local locations, local public eatery locations as well. Yeah, yeah we're, we're offering our full menu currently at both concepts for both curbside pickup and DoorDash delivery. And we're doing a 20% off um, if you come pick up as well as 10% on DoorDash. Um, the, uh, we're also doing alcohol delivery now, which has been yeah. uh, allowed. So we've, we're doing six packs of beer, we're doing bottles of liquor, and we're continuing our 50% off wine promotion that was, was quite popular in our restaurants on Wednesdays, so we're offering that. Um, another cool little thing um, is we heard that the Girl Guide cookie, uh, Girl Guides of BC had 800,000 cookies that they couldn't sell, um, so we offered to sell them on their behalf, so we're selling those at $5, um, 100% proceeds go to them. Can you, get those deliver- you can get those delivered too, the cookies? Absolutely, yeah. Add them to any order. <laughs> and then we're also doing a, what we're calling the Joey Market or local corner store, which is we're offering restaurant quality ingredients uh, for people to, to get delivered. So we know how hard it is to get grocery deliveries, and we felt that uh, this is something we could offer to help people out. Wow. So what, you can pick up groceries for people? Yeah, so we did a list, you know, things from flour and sugar. Um, we have, we're adding um, some, some proteins, like some, some steaks and salmon uh, this week. So we're just trying to add things as we can. You can get a vegetable box of fresh vegetables. Um, we're looking at doing some meal kits coming up so you can make some items at home. So how really many just people, trying to help. Sorry, go ahead. 
how many people lost their jobs over there at Joey's restaurant? No, I don't know the exact number. We certainly had to lay people off, Mike. Um, And that's why our focus is is really doing everything we can to provide services to guests that allow us to pay as many people as we can for as long as we can. It really is a challenge. Where where can people um, find uh, locations? You got a website? Yeah, joeyrestaurants.com or localpublicedery.com. Okay. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. All right, Jeff Boyd, uh, Joey Restaurant Group, fighting to hang on. Jason Chan is also on the line. He's the co-owner of the Village Restaurant. Hey, Jason. Hey, Mike. How are you? Thanks I'm, for I'm, having me. You bet. You're you're in Victoria, right? Yeah, uh, in Victoria, uh, five local eateries. We specialize in brunch, uh, a bit of a local hub in our communities. Tell me what's going on there. So, yeah, March 16th, we made the decision to close all five locations. Uh, we felt it wasn't possible to safely operate anymore. Um, it was a tough decision and, uh, yeah, just temporarily laying off over 80 people was tough. It was a dark day. And then on top of it, uh, you know, our 1500 chickens at Lockwood farms, they're still laying eggs, our coffee company, Otrid, they're now stuck with all the beans they sourced for us last year and so on. Uh, domino effects been crazy. And meanwhile, uh, we saw that grocery stores were completely overwhelmed. Uh, people were panic buying. So needing groceries ourselves, my wife, Kirsten, said, why don't we just start our own grocery service to help our suppliers and feed our people? Twelve hours later, we pivoted and formed what we now call the Village Response Unit, uh, V-Unit for short, and we are now operating as a zero-contact essential food and liquor distribution company. Wow. Okay, so that's like what people can order their groceries through you? Yeah, so basically our program just links the suppliers and the farmers we already had to the community that we are already serving, except now instead of cooking the food onto the plate, we give them the raw ingredients and the groceries they need without having to leave the comfort and safety of their home or car. So we're technically now making a a humble living, flattening the curve and feeding people again. And uh, I just want to shout out my my unit there, Bree, Andrew, Nate, Brian, Kirsten, MJ, and Mario are all working really hard right now uh, as we speak so that's awesome jason where can people uh find your service online uh they can find us at uh, vunit.ca uh, lots of information on our website there vunit.ca .ca. you got it all right jason good luck to you thanks and mike i'm just uh dad schooling my kids today so i just want to shout them out mckenna in brooklyn and a shout out to all the parents out there that are also homeschooling their kids for the next uh, couple months here or month or so, whatever it is. So thanks Jason. again. Thank you. Jason Chan, he's the co-owner of the Village Restaurant in Victoria. All these restaurants just fighting to hang on. Still getting tons of emails here as well. Yawnee's Family Restaurant in Chilliwack doing uh, takeout. Larry, thank you for that email. Mike at cknw.com. we got lots more. Don't go anywhere. Stick around. All right, welcome back to the show as we continue our coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic. How are food banks in B.C. responding to the challenges associated with this health crisis? Have a listen to this report now from CKNW contributor Claire Allen. The COVID-19 pandemic has impacted every segment of society, and food banks are no exception. Here in BC, food banks have had to reduce operations while at the same time responding to increased demand. Fiza Jaffer is the executive director of the Surrey Food Bank, and she says the impact of COVID-19 has been huge. So we've had to change pretty much everything that we do. 
uh, here at the food bank. We've changed the way we operate. We've changed our uh, times of operation. We've had to close down our off-site locations uh, for the safety of our clients and volunteers. So everybody comes to our main location here on City Parkway now. Um, we're being a little less stringent with our um, means test. So if people come and say that they've been laid off or they need support, we're trying our best to accommodate that. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's changed a lot in these last two to three weeks. Jaffer says COVID-19 has also changed how their clients are able to access the Surrey Food Bank. A lot of the clients are, are, are still coming. I mean, we're, we're keeping the, the physical distance guidelines of the two meters and uh, we've changed our operations so that only one uh, person is allowed in the building at a time to pick up. We've changed to uh, pre-built hampers. So nobody's touching the food, uh, nobody's touching our, our fresh produce. We do pre-built bags. But uh, a lot of our clients are actually saying, you know what, we, we're self-isolating, so can we send somebody? So we've seen a lot of that, like third-party people coming in, so like either uh, their friends or family members who are not self-isolating or not showing symptoms are coming in to pick up for them. Uh, a lot of the clients, even people who have not registered, are saying, you know what, we're self-isolating, can you deliver to us? And unfortunately, we're down to skeleton crew, so we don't have that capacity. While serving their clients remains a priority, Jaffer says maintaining the health and safety of clients, volunteers, and staff at the Surrey Food Bank takes precedence. Everybody's wearing gloves. We're sanitizing everything like every couple of hours. Uh, again, limiting the amount of people in. My staff is really has really been amazing. Uh, we've cut down the hours that we're operating, so they're out of here uh, at a, a time where they can go home and be, be with their family. So those are the kinds of things that we're doing um, and we've been adapting every day. Like this morning, we just had another staff meeting saying, how can we uh, do this and still maintain the cleanliness standards that we have too? So we're kind of shifting things around even more today and tomorrow on how to do that. On Sunday, the BC government announced food banks will receive an emergency injection of $3 million to continue feeding families in need during the COVID-19 pandemic. Jaffer says that funding is a great start to help with the demand. You know, that like $3 million, is it, a, it's a, it is a lot of money, uh, and it will go to the food banks directly, which is amazing, which is great. So I applaud the province for doing that. Uh, the money will go towards um, like staffing, infrastructure, buying food for the clients, making sure that we have the fresh produce and the, the dairy items and the fresh proteins that should give to the clients because... Um, like oh, people in our communities have been very generous, but also we have to look at the amount of donations coming in. So some food banks uh, have seen a decline in donations, like we've seen a decline in, in food donations, uh, but monetary donations have been amazing. So there, there is that balance. Uh, working with that money will go to directly to, again, purchasing, so working with the suppliers, working with our local grocery companies and food industries uh, and how we can get that food and how we can pay for that food because uh, that's the the outset, like a lot of food banks, especially rural food banks uh, and food banks in Nigeria, food banks up north, don't necessarily have that financial capacity either. So this money will go directly to that and helping those uh, food banks that, that probably don't have that capacity. These are very hard times for everyone across the province, and Jaffer expects the need for food banks to increase. She has one message for anyone struggling during this time. You know, we are here to help and just give us a call, go to our website, see what you need to register, um, and we will try our best to help you.
but also to be safe during this time and take care of your mental health because I mean that's that's a huge thing as well. We're all this is such such an unknown time, um, and it's really important for people to know that there are services available for them. Uh, we are here at the food bank. We're here to help support the from the food aspect, but there's also other organizations that can help um, with different things like housing and mental health services. And so I think to really be cognizant of of that going forward as well. For AM 980 CKNW, I'm Claire Allen. All right, Claire, thank you for that report and a timely reminder there about the people who are really struggling in this pandemic and the food bank system in British Columbia is really a lifeline for so many people. If you just take a look down the numbers every single month, food banks in BC help more than 80,000 people in our province. So one third of them are children who rely on these food banks and a lot of them are struggling right now looking for donations to keep their doors open, keep their services operating during the COVID-19 pandemic. So a great resource for that is foodbanksbc.com, which is kind of a central website for a lot of the services in BC. If you go on the homepage there right now, there's a donate uh, button right there when you when you get when you land there foodbanksbc.com here's what we're going to do we'll take a quick break here at the bottom of the hour quick reminder for you the daily news conference by Dr. Bonnie Henry the provincial health officer health minister Adrian Dix that is scheduled for this afternoon at 3 p.m. so make sure you keep it locked here of course we're going to bring you that live on CKNW also tonight 6.15 p.m. is a province-wide televised address by Premier John Horgan.